Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. Welcome once again to New Heights. Praise the Lord. I want to teach this morning... I want to teach this morning on what to do, what to do when your ship wrecks, what to do when, when life throws you a curve and you find yourself floating in the debris of what you thought was your sanctuary or what, thought, what you thought was safe. Uh, you can turn your Bible to the book of Acts chapter number 28, Acts 28, and And I want to give just a little background. We're about to talk about Paul, and Paul's important to talk about because he wrote like half of the New Testament, which I believe is approximately uh, uh, 13 books, which is also approximately 13 more than any one of us in the room wrote. So we ought to pay attention to what the Apostle Paul says. But the Apostle Paul is on his way uh, to Rome. He's, he's going to uh, be uh, held before different magistrates and leaders. And, and, and he, so he's getting on a ship to go there. And when he, when he gets on the boat, he tells him, he goes, Look, I believe that God has showed me that if we depart now, the ship is going to wreck and we're going to have a lot of problems. And like what you would think a non-believer would say, the captain of the ship says, you know what, I'm the maritime one, okay? I'm the sailor preacher man. Uh, I don't have any time to listen to you or whatever you think you have to say. We are going, the wind is perfect, and we are out of here. And the Bible says that they began to chart their course and they were, they had to drop anchor more than once. But then all of a sudden, for several days, even weeks, there was a storm that they didn't even see the stars at night because what was going on is Paul was in the process of completing the will of God in his life. And the devil will do anything to stop you from completing the will of God in your life. So the Bible says that uh, uh, finally they said, man, this is just getting terrible. And they start to throw everything overboard. All the goods and everything that weighed anything, throw it overboard so that the ship had a higher chance of not sinking. And, and uh, then when it seemed like it couldn't get any worse, the ship runs aground and starts to break up. And every, all the soldiers said, all the soldiers and the guards that were tasked with Keeping the prisoners said, man, we need to kill all these prisoners so they don't get away. And, and the apostle Paul, he prays and the, and the Lord shows an angel to him and he says, look, he said, he said, everybody will live. He said, he said, if you'll just, if you'll just, uh, uh, believe that God will spare the souls of every person on the boat. And the Bible says that God miraculously spared each person on the boat. Those that could swim, swam to shore. They didn't know the name of the island that they were going to at that time, but they began to uh, swim towards an island called Melita uh, in the original text, or Malta is what we say, is what we call it now. So they began to swim towards Malta, and then everybody else that couldn't swim, they grabbed a hold of whatever's floating, and then they washed up on the beach. 
But here's the key. Number one, if you're taking notes, everybody is not going to listen to you no matter how holy you are. And that's okay. Everybody's not going to listen to you. There's going to be people that you don't care about that won't listen to you. There's going to be people that you do care about that won't listen to you. You're going to have inside information from time to time. You're going to tell it to your children that are 18 to 25 years old. And they're going to look you right in the face. And they're going to nod their head because they're trying to be polite. But they aren't listening to a thing. The reality is, is you remember when you were 19. You remember when you were 22. And somebody, the, 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 the problem with, with being young is you have all the energy without the wisdom. The problem with being old is you've got all the wisdom without the energy. You can't have one without the other and have the true one-two punch in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is supposed to look like this room, to have people as young as a little baby all the way up to 120 years old. Don't guess who that is. That's what the body of Christ is designed to look like so that we have the wisdom of the young, of the old, the strength, the vitality of the young coming together to complete the will of God in a certain area. But you've got to get off the fact that if God comes to you, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord is who is speaking to Paul. If God comes to you in the form of an angel himself, Gabriel knocks on your door and says, hey, I want to tell you what's going to happen tomorrow and you go tell somebody about it and they don't believe you you can't spend the rest of your life offended because somebody didn't listen to you. There's a place there where you've got to say, I'm not going to live offended. I don't care if somebody listens to me. I don't care if somebody doesn't listen to me. I don't care if somebody says I'm crazy. I don't care if somebody says I'm nice. I don't care if somebody says something in between. You can't spend the rest of your life worrying about whether or not somebody's going to listen to you. You've just got to get good at saying what God's Word says regardless of if anybody ever pays attention to it. These guys are sitting there and Paul, who, who literally is God's hand-chosen apostle, tells them what God said and they just said, you know what, we're not paying any attention to that. Have you ever had that kind of situation? Just wave at me. There's been more than once where I've been, I've been in a moment and, and this doesn't happen with just anybody oftentimes. Typically it's people close to me and I'll say, you know what, I really sense real strong that we should, that, that we, in other words, you should do something a little bit different. And then they don't, and the ship wrecks and crashes, and the first thing they want to do is kill everybody around them. In other words, blame everybody around them. When the truth of the matter is, you got the word, now this might even be some of us in here, you got the word before now, you just didn't receive the word. The beauty of it is, is God doesn't leave you in your shipwreck even if you're the reason for the shipwreck. The reason for the shipwreck is the captain sailed at the wrong time after God told him not to. But the truth of the matter is, is God says, I still don't want them to die. I still want to save them even if they're in their own mess. That's why the prodigal son was able to come home. And if you're in the Bryan College Station area, we just want you to know we celebrate prodigals. If you're looking for a place to go to church, to go worship, the reality is what we're going to do at New Heights Church is we're going to put a robe on you. We're going to wrap you in God's righteousness. We're going to put a ring on your finger. We're going to put shoes on your feet. And to sum it all up, what we're going to do here is we're going to love people and point them to Christ. Come on and give God a big hand of praise.
Because whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, God is still in the rescuing business. So the Bible says that uh, God says, you know what, I'll save every person. Every person is saved. And they begin to wash up on the shore. Acts 28, verse number 1. When they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita, verse 2. And the barbarous or the indigenous people or the people, the local people to that particular island, the scripture said, showed no little kindness, meaning they were extremely kind. They weren't kind of nice. Because they kindled a fire and received every one of us because of the present rain and because of the, the, the cold, the Bible says. Verse 3. And Paul... He gathered, when he had gathered a bunch of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper or a snake out of the heat and fastened on his hand. So what happens is Paul gets shipwrecked after telling the captain, if we leave now, the ship is going to sink. The ship sinks. He swims to shore finds some people that are kind to them. And when he gets there, the first thing he did was start to gather firewood. Number two, if you want to come out of your shipwreck, you've got to get busy. Come on, let's say that together. Get busy. The reason Paul knew he had to get busy is because idle hands, the Bible says, are the devil's workshop. If you have nothing to do, what you're going to do, if you have nothing to do, all you'll do is stew. If you have nothing to do, all you're going to do is stew about how that captain should have never set sail anyway. Come on, wherever you are is where you are. How you got there is important so we don't make uh, uh, future mistakes. But how you got there has no contingency on whether or not God will deliver you. God will deliver you. If you want out of your shipwreck, the first thing Paul did, he did not sit there and start saying, when, when the people came up, he didn't sit and cry and wring his, wring his coat out and say, man, I'm so wet. It's all that guy's fault over there. I'll tell you what, we're supposed to be in Rome right now. I'm supposed to be sitting there and everything's supposed to be wonderful. And if he had just listened to me, God told me if he had just listened to me, he never said that. The first thing he did was become useful where he was. The first thing he did is become useful where he was. This is the early service. So we have a lot of people here that are, that are, that are uh, full members of the church. So I'm just going to talk to us for just a second. When people come to the church and I meet them for the first time, which I try to do uh, very often with every person that comes to the church, I try to uh, uh, say hello and all those nice, wonderful things. But the reality is if that person immediately starts complaining about where they come from, a lot of times I just want to go, I tell you what, there's the door you came in. How about you just walk Walk out this other door right over here. Praise the Lord. Because if you're going to complain about where you came from, I just want you to know before it's over, you'll start complaining about here. Before it's over, you'll find out that our feet stink at the end of the day too. Our breath stinks if we don't brush our teeth. There is nothing. Listen, that's the reality of life. You're living life with imperfect people pursuing a perfect God in a region and a realm where people need to be loved and pointed to Christ and not sit there and, and, and look back. Because the more you 
the more you sit and stew on what you came out of, that's the amount of time that it's going to take for you to finally break free. If you'll walk in, get busy, put your hand to the plow, say, hey, there's a fire going here. Let me go get some firewood. Because people are drawn to the fire. They don't come here because there's nothing good going on. They come here because New Heights worship will set you ablaze. They come here because there's a preacher who will preach the word of the living God. They come here because there's a fire. So if you came to just watch the fire, you're welcome to do that. But if you came to complain about everybody that you came from, you're talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ and we don't appreciate it. Stop complaining about other Christians. It falls on deaf ears. We're not after other Christians. We're after people who are far from God. We're after people who are prodigal from God. We're after people who don't know that there is a Savior who died on a tree, who rose from the dead three days later. That's who we're after. So if you want to sit and stew in the mully grubs and complain and live offended, there are other churches that are not growing and they will gladly take you. It's 2018. Jesus might come back tomorrow. I will not walk into my Savior's presence and say, I filled the church up with a bunch of offended people and let them live that way. The first thing you got to do if you're going to get out of the shipwreck of your life is you've got to start getting busy. Because if you're stewing on your past, you're going to be, cru- you're going to be crucified by your past. It will hold you in stagnation. It will hold you where you are. And the first thing Paul did, he walked out. He goes, I am a Christian. And Christians put their hand to the plow. What are you guys doing around here? Oh, there's a fire. Let me gather some firewood. The Bible says he begins to gather firewood. And when he gathers the firewood, out comes a snake. Isn't it interesting that every time you decide to do something from God, the the devil shows up? Isn't it interesting the first, every single time you decide, you know what, I'm going to pray for an hour every morning. You're going to wake up that morning and look out and you have a flat tire. And the devil's going to go, what you going to do? You're going to pray on your way to discount tire? You're going to say, yes, I'm going to pray on my way to discount tire. Praise the Lord. As soon as you decide to do something for God, that's the moment that the devil's going to show up. The Bible says that the viper, get this, the viper bites him on his hand. Now, the reason that this is important is because Deuteronomy 28.12 says, God will bless the work of your hand. You see, Paul knew, I'm in a place that I don't know anybody, but what I do know is the possessor of heaven and earth is is in the business of blessing the work of my hand. So as soon as I get on the beach, I'm going to put my hand to the plow so that the blessing of the Lord can come on me and the people around me. And instantaneously, the devil says, I've got to stop Paul's work because if I can stop Paul's work, then I can stop the move of God in this island because God says, I'm going to bless the work of your hand that's why he wants you to be a sub uh, a subpar employee that's why if you own the business he wants you to be 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 hung up in the weeds of your business and never begin to really pursue uh, wisdom in your business and pursue new customers and pursue new new business ventures because he's trying to bite and hang on to the work of your hand he's trying to grab your hand because when you put your hand to the plow now all of a sudden the blessing of the lord begins to overtake you in all that you do Paul said, I don't know where I am, but I know the recipe of being blessed. I'm going to put my hand to the plow. The recipe to being blessed is not complaining about how you got there. Do you remember the Bible says when Peter was in prison, 
uh, earlier in the book of Acts. And, and, and the Bible says that the angel came and, and had to hit him to wake him up because God was setting him free that night. He said, arise quickly. And the Bible says when he got up quickly, his chains fell off. The first thing you've got to do for your chains to fall off is you've got to stand up. Because the chains have no power, but you won't find, up, find out until you stand up. I don't care what Billy said about you. I don't care what Susie said about you. If your mom and dad spoke ugly things about you, the first thing you've got to do is begin to stand up, rise up, let the chains fall off, put your hand to the plow, get busy, and watch God begin to bless the work of your hand. Amen. The Bible says that snake holds on to Paul's hand. It doesn't say he bit him. Said he bit him and latched on. Boy, I feel I feel just a almost like an old school something on me right now. But look, here's the thing: quit being surprised when the devil doesn't let go on his own. Stop being shocked that the devil is against you. Stop being shocked that he is out to get you. Let me just tell you, let me just give you some of the things that he's out to get. He's out to get your health. He's out to get your family. He's out to get your money. He's out to get your money because the Bible says that God gave us the power to get wealth so that his covenant might be established. It takes wealth to establish the covenant. I heard about a guy recently. Uh, He's a a great pastor and he's in a new city and he went and planted a church and they're renting a building and everything. And and there was a a, a business owner who owns a huge successful business. And he heard about this church that was for sale so he went and bought it. Two million dollars went and bought this church. And, and he started renovating it. But the church, that he, he, he went to this pastor's church. But he felt like, man, I don't think this is the right church for them. I don't think they'd want it. I don't think they'd like it. So he, he, he calls him up anyway and he goes by. He goes, man, I just want you to know I bought this church. I'm remodeling it all completely, totally technology, everything. He said, is there any way that you would just want this church? Would you, would you take this church? Would you, would you use this church? And the pastor's like... Well, I use the church, brother. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you better believe it. He goes, well, great. He goes, well, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to fund all the remodeling. I was doing that anyway. He said, I'm going to refund. He said, I'm going to fund all of the remodeling. He said, but I'd just like to give this church uh, to the church. And that way we'll have a place we can have church every day. We don't have to rent everything. And I thought, what a blessing. And I sought the Lord about it. And I said, Lord, I said, why don't we see that more often? He said, because this is what I felt in my spirit real strong. He said, those who would do that are walking in that level of blessing. But those who would not will never get there. Because that level of blessing, that crazy level of blessing, is is set aside for those who are serious about establishing the covenant in a region. So he says to him, he 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 says, look. He says, he says, I just want to give it to you. He said, would you use it? He said, absolutely, we'll use it. It's the most technologically advanced smaller church in the nation. And they just walked in and handed him the keys. Come on, give God a hand of praise. Somebody say, that's me. I'll do it, Lord. You can check my record. I'll do it, Lord. Send it on down. I don't make any bones about it. I'm here to establish the covenant. I don't want my kids to grow up rich just for the sake of growing up rich. No, they're growing up rich. But they're growing up rich for the establishment of the covenant in this region. So the devil hung on, hung on to his hand. The reason he bit his hand is simple. 
he bit his hand because he knew that if he could stop Paul's work, he could stop the blessing. He knew if he could curtail the effort, he could stop Paul's blessing. Verse number four. And when the barbarians or the... Uh, every time I read that, I picture like Arnold Schwarzenegger in those movies. So they walked up wearing a loincloth and carrying a big sword. No, I'm just kidding. They walked up. It was just the indigenous people. And the Bible says they saw the, the snake, the venomous beast, hanging on his head. Now, they don't know the Lord. And they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer whom has... Uh, whom, though he has escaped the sea, vengeance suffers him not to live. Here's the, here's the reality, number three. They were completely ignorant to the things of God. Only ignorant people believe that everything bad happens because you've done something wrong. Only ignorant people believe that everything bad happens Simply because you've done something wrong. Paul is fulfilling the will of God in his life. The devil, the snake shows up because he's on the right path. Not because he's on the wrong path. We've got to get out of the mentality of, oh, somebody's going through a trial. That means they must be neck deep in sin. No, it might mean that they have calluses on their knees because they're bombing heaven in prayer. It might mean that the hand of God is resting solidly, solidly and firmly on their life and they are changed by the power and the presence of God and God is doing a mighty work in them and the devil's not messing with the drunk on a bar stool. The devil's trying to silence the voice, the hand and all the works of those that, are lo- that love him and are called according to his purpose. It might mean that they are after God at a high level. Therefore, now the enemy has identified them as an actual threat. Only ignorant people. So here's, here's what you do. I can tell you how to, how to determine when you should blame somebody for what they are going through and when you should not. You ready? Just never do it. <laughs> unless you're going to ride the white horse, unless the sword of the Spirit's going to protrude out of your mouth, unless you're going to lead them back, unless you're going to go to hell for me and come back and lead captivity captive, I'm not interested in whether or not you're in the wrong. I just want Jesus to rescue you too. You don't need to worry about it. You say, well, well, what do I do? You keep your own house clean. Do you remember the Bible says that, that if you cast the devil out, that, that it'll come back and it'll see and say, I want to make sure something is occupying this space because if, if nothing's occupying this space, he'll go get seven of his devil buddies and they'll try to move back in where they used to stay. That's because you and me, we, the, the scripture doesn't say for me to come and make sure your house is clean and full of God. The scripture says for me to make sure my house, and I'm talking about that clay house that God built with his hands, that's formed in his likeness and his image that he breathed his pneuma life into, that my house is filled and kept and taken care of because he's not going to judge me for your sin and he's not going to judge you for my sin. So for us, it's imperative to understand only ignorant people 
walk around blaming everybody. Oh, they're sick. They must have said a cuss word yesterday. Listen, Matt cusses every day and he's not sick at all. <laughs> all the men were like, praise God, that's right. You go and get it there, Matt. <laughs> you ever been on a hot roof in the summertime? You'll find something to say. Praise the Lord. But you just quit. Look, look, you just quit worrying. How did I get here? You spend time stewing on that. That means you're not busy. And when your hands are idle, this is the devil's workshop. He says, if you'll put your hand to the plow, he'll bless your work. But if your hands are idle, that's where the devil blesses. He comes in and begins to drop little thoughts. I can't believe they said that about you. They, they, they shouldn't have said that about you. They know that's where you like to sit in church. <laughs> they, they, they knew it was your birthday. Everybody on the internet knew it was your birthday. You wore a shirt that said, it's my birthday. Took a picture, said, I'm so blessed to be, you know, I can't be stressed. What a great day. And you zoomed in on your birthday shirt. They should have known. Why aren't you gathering wood for the fire? My kids are allowed to do a lot of stuff at our house. But I can tell you this, Haley's 12, I don't think she's ever said to us twice that she's bored. Because if she says she's bored, what she actually said to me biblically is she's sitting in the devil's workshop. So for me, I don't want the devil to have a workshop around my children. So for me, I say, well, let's just, you know, give God something to bless. How about let's go sweep the porch? I just swept it. Hmm. Let's do it again. <laughs> oh, Dad, I, I'm, I'm actually not bored. Oh, because you said you were bored. I remember when I was a kid, we, sometimes we would have a, a babysitter come because my parents were entrepreneurs and had a lot of businesses and stuff. And I'll never forget, I called the office one time. And I got my mom on the phone, and I could hear she was working. She's like, hey, I'm like, hey, first thing she says, everything okay? Yes, ma'am, everything's good. Okay, good. What's up? Yeah, I'm really bored. Oh. Oh, you're bored. Well, you just wait right there. I'll be there to get you in just a little bit. By the end of that day, I knew I was never going to say <laughs> I was bored again. Because I'm not trying. Listen, I'm not, I, listen, don't get this twisted. I'm not talking about rest. I'm not talking about rejuvenating. I'm not talking about relaxation. The Lord rested on the seventh day. There's a lot to be said for that. I'm talking about stewing on your past and penalizing your future. I'm talking about stewing on your past and paralyzing your growth. You keep trying, you keep trying to figure out how you got here. You'll never get there. He's trying to take you from glory to glory, not get you to stay right here and figure out with the Pythagorean theorem who all did you wrong in your life. The Bible says that the, the devil, the snake, hung on to his hand, but it was the, the locals, they said he must be a murderer. Listen, they assumed because something went wrong that Paul was wrong. 
Attacks are most oftentimes not a sign of negative results, but positive results. The apostles wrote like this, I count it all joy that I fall into different temptations, that things come against me. I count it a joy that I might be able to suffer just a little bit with Christ, that I can go through some things for the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. The Bible says in verse 4 that they said, oh, he must be a murderer, verse 5. The Bible says he shook off the beast. Everybody do like this. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. If you're going to come out of the shipwreck that you've been through, if you're going to go to that next place, number four, listen, there's some stuff you've got to shake off. You've got to stop letting it get to that place of your heart that pierces you. And you've got to shake it off. They're not going to see all the gifts and talents in your life. And that's okay. Shake it off. They're not going to appreciate you at the level that you wish they would. They are not your supply. You got to shake it off. Oh, but, but they did me so wrong. You got to shake it off. But in church, they said this to me. You got to shake it off. They didn't wave at me when I drove by. You got to shake it off. There's some stuff you've got to shake it. Your husband's going to have said something to you. You got to shake it off. Just shake it off. You love him. Your wife's going to say something or not say something or whatever. You got to shake it off. They're not Jesus. You will not find your fulfillment in your spouse. They will aid that, but you will not be completely fulfilled in who they are. You'll be completely fulfilled in who Jesus is. There's some stuff you've got to shake off. Somebody said some stuff to you. You've got to shake it off. Look, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, you've got to shake it off. Because you'll carry that home. You'll walk in the door and everybody go, what's wrong with you? Somebody pulled out in front of me. I was driving past Walmart and they just pulled out in front of me. And I was this close and ah, my whole family's in the car. And, ah, ah. Why don't you just go thank God for good breaks? Just shake it off in the fire. No, but they they saw me coming and everything. I'm pretty sure they saw Jesus when they were hitting him with that whip. Shake it off. That's got to be Taylor Swift. Bingo. You got to shake it off. You got to shake it off. You, You can't be carrying that stuff. Because the problem is, and here's what a lot of Christians will do. They'll get the snake will be biting their hand. Hanging there. Ah, ah, just snaking all of ah. And we'll look at it. And then we'll call our friend. Hey. I got a snake hanging on my hand. I mean, he's got his fangs in deep, whole arms turning purple. You think God's trying to teach me something? And then I'll come right over. Come right over. You're sitting there, arms swole up now. Snake gets ha, 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 ha. We'll walk up. Ooh, 
He's got them in deep, doesn't he? friends laying there with a snake injecting poison into his veins and we walk up and we say what'd you do why do we blame the bitten why do we persecute the envenomated why do we point at the one who's who's under duress Instead of grabbing the snake and throwing it in the fire. A snake will never bite my children. But if one did, I would not care if my children stuck their hand in a viper pit. And that's why they got bit. I just want that snake and every other snake dead. The problem is, we get to a theological place... Well, we start to think us more, more lofty than we are. And we start to go, well, we just need to really dissect this. Is, do you think that's a venomous snake or you think it's a non-venomous snake? Because if it's a venomous snake, I'm saying the Lord's really trying to teach him something. Probably more like a, a, a seven or eight on the sin scale. But if it's a non-venomous snake, they might have done something just kind of small, like a two or three sin. And we stew on it. Instead of just going, get that snake off my brother. Get that snake off my sister. And when the snake's on your hand, just shake it off. There's a couple things we don't allow in our house, and one of them is D-R-A-M-A. Drama. Dad, there's like 10,000 mosquitoes outside. Great. Put on some bug spray. Shake it off. Do something about it, but don't complain about it all day long. When did complaining ever help us? I can't ever get ahead. It's just, everybody's against me. My money's just not touching and agreeing. Everything's a problem. When's the last time you put something in your savings account? I don't have enough to save. You can put it in there and look at it. You'll get motivated to keep it. Let me tell you, you will. All of a sudden, you'll start seeing that sucker grow. You'll say, wait a minute. No, I'm going to do it. You shake that stuff off in the fire. Somebody calls you and says, oh, you're just this. You're just that. You get off the phone with them and say, thank you, Jesus, that they're going to serve God. Thank you, Jesus, they're moving in their life. And what you're doing when you say that you're just shaking it off in the fire. You're just shaking it off. You're just saying, I'm not going to let the vipers from the enemy stop me from putting my hand to the plow. Because it is when I put my hand to the plow that he begins to bless that work. Now, all of a sudden, things begin to shift. Now, all of a sudden, things begin to and, and let me tell you what happened just for the sake of time. I'll just tell you. They looked at Paul and they thought he was a murderer. Paul shakes it off and keeps gathering firewood. We get bit and we need, sit, we need to sit out for six months. I need to stop being a Christian for like six months. 
<gasps> Listen to this too, young people. Your testimony is the most powerful testimony when you can say, I never fell into that nonsense. You don't have to listen to all these extravagant testimonies, and I thank God for them. Oh, God rescued me. I had a needle in my arm or whatever, and he pulled it out, and Jesus walked in and showed himself. Let me tell you something. That's powerful. But to me, what's even more powerful is I wouldn't know how to use a needle. What's even more powerful is I don't know what Bud Light tastes like. What's even more powerful is I've never put a cigarette on my lips. What's more powerful is I've never had to go through that nonsense. This is the power testimony, and this is what the next generation is called to. It doesn't knock anybody else's testimony, but don't you hear something like that and try to try to assume you've got to go grab some huge testimony. No, you just shake it off every time the devil tells you you don't have a powerful testimony. The only way to know the strength of another country is to go to war against it. Not to go over there and play in it. The longer you war against sin, the stronger you are. You don't have to, you don't have to fall into that stuff. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to go kiss a boy. You don't have to go kiss a girl. God's got your husband. He's got your wife ready for you. You don't have to go doing all that nonsense. Don't you be listening to all that spin the bottle nonsense. Don't you be listening to all that stuff. The devil is a liar. You don't have to go and get a huge testimony about, oh, God delivered me from this. No, God set you in the right family at the right time so that you would be raised up pure and holy before God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, everything is right about that. That's what it's supposed to be. That doesn't mean that anybody's less than. If your testimony includes those things, it just means nobody else is less than. If their testimony says, my, my parents taught me about Jesus, I've lived for Jesus, I steadily live for Jesus, and I've never turned back. There's nothing less than about that testimony. Matter of fact, there's a whole lot of power in it. But you just got to shake it off in the fire. Anything, you just got to shake it off and say, man, I'm just not carrying that with me anymore. Because the problem is, if you don't, what you could have shook off will kill you. The Bible says he shook it off in the fire and everybody looked at him. And because he didn't have any harm, his arm didn't swell up, didn't get sick, nothing. Listen, they said, he's a murderer. The snake's getting him. Look what he did wrong. Then he shakes it off in the fire and goes, no, he's not a murderer. He's God. That's a pretty big swing. He's a murderer, and now he's a god. Paul said, I'm not God. I work for him, but I'm not him. It was his power that caused me to not be hurt. I said, well, we got some sick over here. Can you do anything about that? He said, I can't. He said, but my boss can't. Where are they? And the same hand that the devil tried to kill went and started healing people. See, the reason the devil is attacking your hands is because he knows how much power is actually in them. Oftentimes, we don't. We treat them like they're normal hands. The Bible says, the Bible says we lift up holy hands. These hands are holy hands. I said, I don't, I don't just mess around with my hands or anything. I don't mess around with my feet. Look, the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. I don't mess around. Listen, the Bible says that I have the mind of Christ. I don't just have a brain. I have the mind of Christ. You begin to say it. Then you begin to believe it. Then it begins to get in who you are. And before you know it, you stop walking around and acting like the world because you convince yourself you're not of the world. You're just in it. The same hands that the snake tried to kill are the hands 
that healing and revival flowed through immediately after. Could it be that you're going through what you're going through so that God can make you such a spectacle that everybody around you would believe? Could it be that what you are enduring, you are enduring so your children will know how strong your God is? Could it be that what you're going through, you're going through because God will cause all things to work together for your good. And he wants a showpiece in the equation. Please stand to your feet. I'm done teaching. Listen, what's crazy is the ship crashed and the island they landed on called Malta or Malita. Get this. It translates to the word honey in other words what the devil meant for evil God's going to turn into one of the sweetest things in your life interesting thing about honey is it never goes bad they have honey that was found listen to this in some of the tombs in Egypt you can open up the pot that it was in stick your finger in it and eat it because honey never spoils God says, where I'm sending you is a place so sweet that everyone around will know I am with you and it'll never spoil. The next season of your life, and many of you are hitting it now, you're going into a new season, you're going into a new day, you're going into a new time, and the sweetness on this next season is going to be the one you desire, but the problem is, you thought the gate was going to look different, but the gate looks like a wrecked ship and a snake bite. The gate, you thought it was going to look different, but the gate looks like a wrecked ship and a snake bite. The problem with snakes is they don't bite you when you can see them. They bite you when you can't see them. But the beauty of our God is it matters not how they latched on. You can drop them in the same fire. This next season, I prophesy this now. Everybody just lift your hand. Going into a new season. Listen, this next season... Today's the first, isn't it? July 1st, sure is. Going into a new season. Going into a new season. Going into a new season now. Going into that next, that next honey season. I declare a, a, a season of honey. The Bible says the promised land was flowing with milk and honey. I speak it over you. I say it's going to be unbelievable. I speak it over this church. I thank you, God, for our next building, our next property that's, that's three times or more bigger than our current property that we may be able to facilitate even more people and love them and point them to Christ. But I speak this over you and your life today. An overwhelming season of honey But the gate looks different. The gate looks different. The world would have a gold-plated gate for you. But the kingdom says you'll pass through the shipwreck. You'll pass through the snake. But in the right season, the right time, the same hand that the devil meant to destroy is going to usher in healing and revival. 
I prophesy a honey season in your life. One that one that never one that never spoils. One that never spoils. One that you can't wash off. One that sticks to you. One that is guarded and protected by God. One that is established in the secret place. One that is established in the secret place. So that when you go to God, the presence and the anointing that God has put on your life becomes so tangible that it's difficult to leave His presence. The one that changes the situation, not just in your life, but in your children and your children's children. I prophesy and declare prodigal sons and daughters coming home. I prophesy and declare healing in this house. I speak to every illness that has attacked any person and we just by faith today, we shake it off in the fire and we say the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free. Lord, we declare great healing and victory in this place. For those who are pregnant or believing God for a baby, if you're believing God for a baby... In Jesus' mighty name, this is your honey season. I speak life into your womb in the name of Jesus Christ. For those who are pregnant, I speak great favor throughout the delivery process. We are not under the curse any longer. I speak a pain-free, fully healthy baby. I thank you, Lord God, for extreme health in this house. I thank you, Lord God, for extreme grace and favor in this house. I thank you for those who are starting businesses that they will increase in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God, for those who are being equipped to go to next levels in education, that you would give them favor throughout the process. Great scholarship opportunities. I thank you, Lord God, for exceedingly blessing us that our covenant, that your covenant may be established in this region. I thank you, God, for taking us on television. I thank you, God, for taking us into the media world. I thank you, God, for taking us around the world. I thank you, Lord God, for widows and orphans being fed because of the faithfulness of this house. I thank you, Lord God, for our houses being blessed. We claim debt-free houses in the name of Jesus Christ. I claim debt-free cars in the name of Jesus Christ. I claim retirement accounts full in the name of Jesus Christ. I claim college tuition paid for in the name of Jesus Christ. And every debt that has risen up against you and is constricted around you, I call it dead in the name of Jesus Christ. And we say that it will be shaken off in the same fire that it came out of I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that as we put our hand to the plow and we begin to gather sticks for the consuming of your holy fire Lord God that when the devil rears his ugly head and begins to attack it will be of no consequence and people will know that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is amongst his people even now and the Holy Spirit has not grown weak and he has not grown slow but instead he is changing and mending hearts even in this season I thank you, Lord God, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The Comforter, your Bible says. The Comforter. The Comforter, your Bible says. I thank you, Lord God, that we're not going to stew on our past. We're not going to stew about what we got here. We're not going to talk about other churches, where we come from. We're not going to talk. We're not going to do it. We're going to put our hand to the plow. Because you'll bless the work of our hand. In Jesus' name... And everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big hand of praise. Listen, I'm going to wrap up quickly. If it's your first time here, I'd love to see you. I'll be out in the chapel right after service. That's the new room. 
right there in the lobby. I'd love to shake your hand and say hi if it's your first time here. Uh, Also, uh, if you want to join our church, you can get information there. Usually we talk about it, but uh, we have a short amount of time before our next service. But I'll say this. If you're not right with God, I want you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say this. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I repent of my sins and I'm a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.